and welcome to the Contractor's Best Friend Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Humphrey, and today we're sponsored by Caterpillar and 4constructionpros.com. Today I'm joined by three experts in the field. Jason Hurtis, Caterpillar's Global Market Professional. Jason, how are you doing today? Good, Brad. How are you today? Fantastic. We're also joined by uh, with uh, Lonnie Fritz, who's our senior market professional specializing in the construction industries. Lonnie, how are we doing today? Doing very well, Brad. Good to talk All to right. you. And rounding out our team today is Scott Hageman. He is a senior market professional for Grade Control Technology. Scott, it's always a privilege to have you here. How are you doing today? Doing well, Brad. Good to talk to you. All right. Well, today's topic, guys, is managing machines and growing margins. You know, we've had discussions over the, to- over the past with some of the different podcasts, but I like this one because I think what we're doing is we're trying to tie in specifically how do we help contractors grow their business, grow their margins, make more money, because that's what it's all about. So let me start off with kind of a maybe a, a little bit of an offhand uh, observation that we know is true. Okay, telematics data, it's crucial. You guys have sold me on that over the past discussions we've had. So how should I use the output? from the data to make better decisions regarding my fleet or whatever fleet representation I have. I mean, how often should I use that data to, to even make decisions? Like how often do I turn my, my equipment over? Jason, can you get us started on that one? Yeah. I mean, using it is critical. Uh, you're how frequently that's usually the question. A lot of contractors ask, do I need to look at this thing every five minutes, every hour, every day, or, or once a week? And that answer really depends on, on your fleet and, and how you want to manage it. I would say at a minimum, you'd want to look at that information and that data at least once a day. That way, you know, the hours on your machine, you know, the fuel levels, you know, any fault codes, you know, any of the basic information. I mean, if you're a super user, you have a larger fleet, uh, maybe go down to the hour level or if you got a critical job where you want to make sure that you're staying on top of the, the maintenance in the machines, then go to a more frequent um interval. The, the other thing with telematics that you can do is you can customize that data. I think any, any more our contractors are overloaded with, with data today. And mm. what you want is information. You mm. want to know what's important to you and have your telematic system customized for that. You know, whether it's, I want to know hours and fuel level only, or if I want to know production levels, um, hours and fuel efficiency, fuel consumption, you can customize that so you have kind of your telematics dashboard of what the key or important metrics are for you on your fleet or a particular job site or what have you. Powerful stuff. Lonnie, do you have anything you can add to that uh, that observation? Yeah, you know, to, to Jason's point, <clears throat> we've it's the R's. We've received the data. Now how do we respond mm-hmm. and really drive the actionable items um, to get the best benefits from it. So, you know, whether it's managing the idle time, you know, we, we don't know what we don't know. How often do we see a stopwatch out there and say, oh, idle time, oh, idle time, you know, here's your 35% for the shift. Right. We don't do that, but telematics data does. So we're really tracking utilization and subsequent, you know, operating costs to identify the best time in the life cycle. If we look at machine replacement um, and really understanding again, <clears throat> let the now let that information speak back to us so we can take those actionable items to really run a lot tighter business um, because all those lost equal cost and therefore cutting into our profitability and our bottom line. Well, Scott, you want to add to that? Yeah, along Jason's 
comment on the data. There's so much data out there, Brad. And I, I think if I'm a contractor, I want to know a couple of the basics to get started, to try to get my feet wet on how this is helping me. And then maybe if I'm either overwhelmed or just want to get a, a broader spectrum, maybe I reach out to my dealer and they start doing some data comparison of me opposed to the industries. So then we can see mm. how the trends are changing in the whole industry, not just in my workload that I'm having in my backyard. That's awesome. Let's stay on this theme of trying to help grow margins. You know, the, the term, uh, you know, customer value agreements um, might resonate with some contractors. Lonnie, can you explain that to us? And, and really, more importantly, what's the value that, that, that the CVAs can bring uh, when contractors really need to be focused on the work sometimes more than the maintenance? Yeah, you know, it really uh, underscores and uh, solidifies, strengthens that relationship and partnership that the customer has with their machines to their dealer. Um, there's incentives out there. There's options out there regarding fuel and finance and maintenance programs. Um, basically, what I'd like to say is it, it's a proactive approach and, and really kind of helps semi-automate, um, mainly from a maintenance uh, process. And really helps understand, you know, and give them just what it says. It's a customer value agreement. It's not buy the machine, go out, run the machine, and take care of it as needed. It really looks at those intervals, what an organization needs to maintain those that fleet, and really use a lot more tools in the Caterpillar toolbox to give that mm. well-rounded experience um, with the purchase of the asset after the fact, in a more of an aftermarket uh, perspective. That's interesting. I, you know, I hadn't thought of it. I, I didn't know that. In fact, let me ask a real innocent question here then as well. How often sh should contractors be work working or looking at the CVA, Lonnie, or any of you guys? I mean, is this something that ought to be updated on a on a job by job basis? Is it looked at weekly, like cash flow might be? The customer value agreements are mainly serial number driven. You know, they right. can they take a fleet perspective, okay. but I like to think of it more as a serial number at a serial number level. Um, when we're purchasing a machine or a fleet of machines, do we want to exercise Caterpillar's offering of a customer value agreement? And I'll share with those listening that may not be familiar with the customer value agreement, please take a hard look at it. Um, we understand the cash outlay for an asset here in the beginning, and that customer value agreement really helps you keep that machine in tip top shape and really put emphasis on things that may fall through the cracks throughout the life cycle of the machine otherwise. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Jason, do you have anything else you can add to that or, or you feel good about that uh, response there? Well, I always feel good about Lonnie's responses and his, and his accuracy, Brad. I would, I would never count to that. So. Nice to know we have teamwork on the group. <laughs> I mean, in a nutshell, the whole, the whole basis or the, or the whole, for lack of a better term, value of a customer value agreement is it reduces part of the contractor's stress. You're right. You know, the, the maintenance, the parts, the, the repair, and they can be customized to, to deliver whatever that customer doesn't feel comfortable with or whatever they're lacking from, you know, an employee standpoint, a maintenance standpoint, so that they can focus on what they're good at and shift what they're not good at to people who are really good at it. Yeah, All right. All right, that's good. No, I appreciate that. You know, let, let me kind of throw this in on you guys. Slip this in one. Slip this question in on you. Um, you know, as a contractor, what if I what if I'm just raising my hands and go help? I mean, I really need to change equipment, or your equipment isn't 
doing something I wanted it to do for me. I mean, how does all of this work together? Lonnie, maybe kick us off. Yeah, so it, it does really interact and, and work together um, across the entire fleet and across the entire process. Again, underscoring that partnership and that that dealer, um, you know, our dealer network, as I say, is a secret sauce. And, and it really, again, you can look at it as multifaceted machine health, protecting the investment, looking at uptime, looking at the lowest operating cost. Um, so it, it's it's broad reaching in response to your question. Well, and actually, now we're talking about some of those small signs of equipment issues and how it might impact my profit margin. Mm-hmm. That really speaks to the contractor. Scott, any thoughts on that? Yeah, the small things can turn into the major things, Brad. So as long as we're monitoring those and we're kind of watching those, you know, look at the idle time. You know, idle time today might get a little bit carried away, but let's ask why on Monday we had so much idle time and try to either plan better or maybe we shouldn't even have that piece of equipment on that job running on Monday. Let's combine some of the same tasks for maybe a Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we can run that machine the whole time. Not mm-hmm. only is it running, but then the operator's not moving back and forth. And it's just like anything else. Once you get in and you get seated in there and you start operating a little bit, you're starting to feel comfortable. You tune your, turn your tunes on and you're getting motivated and getting psyched and really getting some profitability going. And then you have to stop that to jump out. So let's, let's try to keep the guy in there as long as we can to get that flow going and that mindset. You know, Brad, I'd like to add to that too, is uh, when you say small signs of equipment issues, you know, and I, <laughs> I'm a yellow guy at heart. I grew up with it and I, I, I love the machines is what really attracted me to this business is, is, you know, listen to the machine again, both externally and internally. Um, mm track that internal component where if we really want to be machine centric that caterpillar does so well is you know view the inside with those sos samples you know looking Mm -hmm. for those leaks Um, again i also want to offer is a lot of electronic control models a lot of software to do those cool whiz bang as jason would say those wicked cool um, ease of use features so stay current with the software updates you know if they're calling scott hagman saying what is going on here first thing Scott's going to ask you is what version of software are you running? So we look at small signs of equipment issues. Keep in mind, it may be like updating the software on your cell phone, maybe why the glitch is there and you're looking for those enhancements and those performance features. Boy, this is such a different paradigm, isn't it, for contractors today? And, you know, I mean, I, I, with the exception of maybe Lonnie, I think what the rest of us are old enough to remember the, uh, sorry, Lonnie, the, uh, we, I think we're old enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm old enough headed to, it's <laughs> Well, we got, got to have a little fun sometimes with the contractors. They're, they're laughing at us anyway. Uh, you know, what? but one of the things that was common, not uncommon, I'm sorry, back in the 60s, 70s and 80s uh, was, was how many contractors really did sort of run a piece of equipment to it just you know, dead mm-hmm. on arrival kind of a thing. And yeah. those days are gone. I mean, they don't have to be there. We've got such great technology of not just presenting information, but then utilizing that information to help, grow, help us grow our margins. Yeah. Keep, keep a couple things in mind out there for you listeners is Caterpillar durability, reliability, rebuildability. That's why we talk frame hours mm-hmm. and not so much the hours on the engine or the transmission, those rebuildable replaceable components. So, so keep that in mind of these machines. Yes. While they're more fully featured, they're rebuildable. So get the ultimate out of your asset and leverage that parts and service, leverage that dealer expertise. Again, take advantage of the off season, keep that machine in tip top shape. 
and get the full value out of it, whether it's through the CVA, through listening to telematics data, we are letting you understand more about your machine today than ever before. We've given you so many more communication channels, put an ear to those and then take that action. That's really powerful stuff. I know through the years in consulting with contractors, you know, we always talk about trying to raise their gross profit. And of course you have your sales or your revenue subtracted, you know, you subtract your labor, your, your, your materials, and of course your equipment. And what I found is that many contractors and usually the smaller ones um, who own their own equipment oftentimes wouldn't make any kind of financial charge against using their own equipment. They said, well, it would hurt them winning a bid. But the problem was they never did recover enough money to maintain <laughs> their equipment. So yeah. I, I think I think what we're seeing today, and, and as I said earlier, the paradigm is really, you know, we're utilizing, have access to utilizing information that companies like Caterpillar have created for us because it doesn't do you guys any good. I mean, I know you guys want to sell sell equipment. But for crying out loud, if you get angry customers because your equipment doesn't last very long, uh, that's a problem too. Well, I've got one last question I want to ask. And I'd like all three of you guys bring such a great try, kind of a trifecta of, of perspectives here. Okay. What drives most contractors? Well, there's no doubt profitability does. We're, we're not working in a not-for-profit you know, industry. So with that being said and, and understood, how can contractors grow their profitability with their equipment? Yeah, so Brad, I'd, I'd like to offer up a few items here, a few takeaways that um, for contractors to take back and really uh, bring into focus when they're looking at their operations. We've talked about idle time on other podcasts. Why do we talk about idle time? It is a necessary evil. You see a lot of different uh, percentages out there. We recommend on average, you're looking at somewhere under 30%. Now this is application driven and then mm -hmm. it's machine driven. Right. Um, so it, it depends if you're a yard loader and you're you know cycling a hundred trucks through every round or what have you, and that, that loader's nonstop. Um, you may have different operations where it's a support piece of equipment doing just that. It's supporting the Xfair's online digging lot where the support machine may be idle at certain times. So, so take that as application based, but when we reduce idle time, we're more sustainable, we're preserving those warranty hours, and we're driving down what I like to call non-profitable wear. Hmm. It's one thing to be wearing a machine because you're generating revenue, you're getting work done, you're staying on schedule, you're hopefully under budget. Uh, maximize machine fleet utilization. Use the telematics data. I used to get those calls, hey, you have a rental machine that has this many hours on it. You know, what can we do to increase utilization? So it goes for all assets, rental, leased, owned, and maintain and control what you can control by mm. conducting that robust maintenance program, okay? Monitoring your operational behaviors and training to improve. And one final thought, and I've mentioned this in the past, understand what your material weighs. There's a big difference between feathers and yeah. a very lean clay. Yeah. Our machines are designed to only carry a specified amount of density. So do not exceed those machine design limits because you start tearing up axles and brakes and other portions of that machine and components of that machine. And you will not get out uh, the, the expected life of that machine and you will definitely increase your life cycle cost. That's great. Great. Scott, do you have anything you can add to that? I think the other thing that uh, would be very beneficial for our contractors is once you think about this, schedule some time on a regular basis. I mean, I, I'm not saying daily, but we need to carve out a little bit of time just to look at the numbers. 
whether it's like right. Lonnie's talking about the, the idle time. You know, we need to take a quick snapshot of the idle time and then see what caused that. And if it is something that it's just part of the job type thing, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But let's ask that question before we just assume all idle time is thing idle time we can't change. I love that. I really do. I see, uh, you know, we, I, as working with contractors for so many years, so many of us are, you know, as they should be looking at their financials and material use and that type of thing. But I'm just telling you, it's just not very many of them. They're, it's growing. It's def, definitely getting better. And I think actually programs like what you guys offer through Caterpillar, I do think it helps educate contractors. They need to be looking at the, at the data, the telematics data from on their equipment. Jason, close us out on this one. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think Scott and Lonnie said it well. I mean, pay attention to your data. Fuel is one of your first indicators. That will tell you a lot. Do I need operator training? Did I misgauge the material type, the material density? Um, did I miss setting up my job site? Uh, do I have something going wrong with my machine because the fuel started to spike? Why are this, why is operator A a significantly more fuel efficient than operator B? Is it machine? Is it application? Is it machine configuration? And as Scott kind of hit the, the golden nugget on the head there, we're giving you all this information, but you got to look at it and you have to do something with it to, to manage your operation more profitably. Yeah, it's, it, you can have all the information in the world, but you got to use it. And, and Brad, if I could just add in a closing comment here, you know, we've talked a lot about, okay, the asset that's right in front of me or right in front of my screen mm. that I've been monitoring for five, six, seven, eight years, what have you. When do I raise my hand or pick up the phone or send the text to my dealer salesman and say, hey, I need to change my fleet. You know, you we, we, we need to continue to always monitor the current state of our fleet down mm. to a serial number level. We're bringing out a lot of product. Mm. We're bringing out so many new product introductions to our dealers and therefore to the industry. Um, look at those next generation machines when you're looking to update. They bring a plethora, again, of technology yeah. advancements. Um, you know, your, your work and size, uh, the volumes of your jobs, and I don't mean number of jobs, that too, but also the, the amount of work to be performed on the job may be changing. And that is great because that shows growth an expansion mm. of your company. Now what a D6 may have been able to do at a volume, uh, you may be at a, a job with five times that volume and you need to upsize your equipment. So always keep the pulse of your fleet in line and aligned with uh, the job sites, those characteristics, those schedules, the the budget that you're trying to uh, to adhere to and make sure that you have those machines to go out there and keep that unit cost uh, in line with what the market will bear so you can hit those target profit margins and be profitable and successful in the end. Man, what a invaluable podcast this has been, managing machines and growing margins. If you're a contractor listening to this, you're definitely going to want to go back and listen to this one again and take some good notes because there's a lot of good stuff in here that's going to help you. Hey, our goal is to help you be the best contractor you'll be to build a profitable business as you move forward. Thank you for being a part of the listening audience today and best of luck to you moving forward. Don't want to miss a podcast? Sign up for alerts on the Contractor's Best Friend webpage on ForConstructionPros.com. Mm-hmm.